All right, why don't you just high-five somebody, grab a seat, and... Again, so exciting to see what's happening in Tawa uh, today, and just remembering uh, in the course of that, because some of you are new to church, or you've just uh, become a part of the church recently, we we were given that building, it's a miracle in and of itself, we were given that building, and it had $100,000 in the bank as well, and uh, to be able to do up the building and stuff like that, so that was amazing, even over the last couple of weeks, a lot of work has taken place to transform it, put in a kid's uh, uh, a new kids area, a new mum's room, and uh, stuff like that. And so it actually looks very different than how it did a couple of weeks ago. And uh, maybe in the uh, um, uh, next uh, next service, I, I might chuck some photos there. I didn't, I didn't think about it duh, uh, uh, t- today, but it really is looking quite a different place. And so it's an s- exciting part of our uh, journey, and uh, that, that type of thing doesn't happen uh, all the time. It's God's goodness, God's blessing, and uh, we're, we're just thankful uh, for all of that. So I know they've been working hard out the last couple of weeks, and uh, I, I know uh, Anita tr- tried to show the video last week, or for whatever reason, technical problems that wasn't able uh, of our church in India to where they built a building in a day. You know, someone in the church, they lost their land. You know the story, 25 years, they, we, 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 we've been working with them, so Supporting them, we, we led Pastor Prem to the uh, Lord. He used to beat Sangeeta uh, up, something shocking, and, and and Anita went round and told him off. And then he came round, received Jesus Christ. Jesus turned his life around as a Hindu man, and he he uh, just radically changed, if you like, changed his whole village, his whole um, a group of people that were uh, around him. And I know many of you have been there, and you know they had a building, and then they lost the building. The the rain came in, and the floods came in, and Unfortunately, the way they built it, it didn't stand. And so it collapsed under the weight of the rain. Then they built another building, but then the owner of the building kicked them out. Kicked them out, said, you can't have that land. Get out of here. And they kicked them out, and then they demolished the amazing new building that they uh, built. But they were always like, that's our land. We, okay, we've given it back, but that's our land. Until just a couple of weeks ago, a guy from the church said, I've just gone in and purchased that all that land. going to give it. I'm going to build a, like a six-story building on it, and I'm going to build a whole new church area on the, uh, uh, on the bottom. So how many think that's a good thing? So, of course, there was no building on it, and so in it, about four of you. Come on, I think celebrate it. But, but, but straight away, they, they, they went and they built a building in a day because they wanted to meet there the next Sunday. So they built a building in a day. Uh, who cares about certificates and that? That's only for New Zealand. We need, uh, no, hopefully it'll stay. It's not going to rain for another six months, uh, but they're, they're going to get it underway. So they sent us a video of their first service. And you'll see uh, Pastor Prem. And Sankita's in a wheelchair. As I said, she's got some health issues. She's on Dialysis actually needs a miracle, so Lord, we pray for a miracle for her in Jesus' name. But this is them returning. They called it to the promised land for them. And so this is a video of them coming into their newly built, one day built Kitsap building. Okay, can we play that video? Nice and loud. India always has it loud. Connect 
Alright, let's put our hands together for them. I think it's amazing. I think it's great that they've been able able to do that. Sometimes we, we, we don't uh, uh, remember that. I love, you know, when I watch that, for, for me, it's about what, what the gospel can do in, in, in a person's life. How it can not just affect uh, affect you, but it can infect, uh, uh, infect, yeah, come on, so it, can, it can affect, you know, hundreds if not thousands of people and, and generations and their children and their children's uh, children. That's the power of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation for all who believe, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile, for in the gospel a righteousness from God is found, a righteousness that comes by faith. Do you know obedience is not a requirement of the gospel? It, it, it's, it's a fruit. It should be a fruit. But the, Christ has done it all. When he said it is finished, that's what he meant. He didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. He made a way where there seemed to be no way. I was up in Palmerston. This isn't in my message, but I'm going for it. I was up in uh, New Plymouth last week and uh, preaching there to a collection of New Life churches. As, I, as I'm preaching this pretty awesome message, I thought, but I, I'm preaching. And I look across and I see this guy who I met at conference on the last few moments of conference, and he was pretty distinctive because he's got facial tattoos and uh, and stuff. And he he was at conference and in, in Wellington. He was had a big smile back at me. And after 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 the service, he came up and said, Pastor, I just want to tell you, God is so good. I, I was so glad to come for the, to the conference. It changed my life. And then he told me his, his uh, story. His name's Dominique, but he, he told me his story. He's like, we, we, we were, me and my drinking buddies, we were sitting in our flat. There were three of us in the flat. And we, said, we, we started feeling like, one of the guys there started feeling like, he's, I, I, I've got to go to church. I need to get my life right. I, I need to get my life uh, sorted. And, and they were all sitting there, of course, having a few drinks. And they're like, yeah, we... We need to go to church too. We need to get our life sorted. And so then they made a pack right there. They made a pack that they're going to go to a church. This is only a few weeks ago. And they put notices on their door, go to church, go. So when they got up in the morning, that's if they got up, but they did. But if they got up in the morning, they'd see the, and they'd encourage one another. So they went to church. They went to church. And it was just a couple of weeks before the conference. And they, 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 God began to touch them. And then they sponsored them to come down. The church sponsored them, just a small church, sponsored them to come down to conference. And he said, at conference, I had a God encounter. God's turned my life around. God's changed my life. And then he said, I want to tell you, Pastor, last week I got baptized. Hallelujah. I got baptized. God's doing a work in my life. Friends, I want to tell you, there is power in the gospel. Do you know Christ? I tell you, whatever situation you're facing, whatever you're going through, he can turn your life around. The Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. It's something we can do. It's what he has done. Come on, give him some praise in this house. Woo. This Pentecostal pastor is spitting. That's like, you should see, I have to clean my, my, my iPad because it just gets covered in Holy Ghost dots all over the, uh, oh, that's why we keep the whole road clear out here just to make sure no one's getting baptized as I, as I speak. So I want to talk about uh, this morning handling criticism, or as the Bible calls it, reproof. Handling criticism or reproof, especially in an age of cancel culture. I think we in the church, we need to learn how to receive it. We need to learn how to 
how to give it. Uh, because from time to time, all of us will face criticism. If you're in leadership, uh, it's 100% guaranteed. You will face criticism. The Greek philosopher Aristotle humorously said, criticism is something we can avoid easily by saying nothing, doing nothing, and being nothing. Yes, you can avoid criticism like that, but who wants to live that kind of life? The great statesman Winston Churchill once said this, criticism may not be agreeable, but it is necessary. It fulfills the same function as pain in the human body. It calls to attention an unhealthy state of things. And this is why free speech is so important. Every, even speech you don't like, even speech you, you don't agree with, this is why free speech is so important in a free society. The Bible says this in Proverbs, which is also known as the book of wisdom. It says this, it says in Proverbs 12, verse 1, he who hates reproof is stupid. Now, that's not even the message version. That's the ESV, the Bible Jesus used. Come on. That's just a joke if you're just new to the Bible. Uh, but even the ESV, uh, he, he who hates reproof is stupid. Uh, Proverbs 12, verse 15, a little later, the same, the same bunch of Proverbs, it says, The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. A wise man listens to criticism. A wise man listens to reproof. In Proverbs 15, verses 31 through 32, it says, The ear that listens to life-giving, and I think that's important. The ear that listens to life, not, not all criticism, and it's just the way it is. I'm, I'm sorry, I wish it, wish it was, but not all criticism is life-giving. In fact, that's why we've got to be conscious of what it says in Proverbs 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. But it says, the ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Where are you dwelling? Whoever ignores instruction despises himself. Wow. But he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. How many would like a little bit more intelligence that you want? Oh, I don't know. Some of you are not too sure. It's like, no, I've got enough. I've got enough intelligence. I'm not going to say tap your neighbor and say he's preaching to you. The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. Have you ever been driving on the motorway transmission gully? You go, you go to change, change lanes. You look into the mirror. It's all clear. Indicate. You pull out into the lane only to hear a loud and, yes, abusive honk from a car or, worse still, a truck that you didn't see, but it was right there. 
When they blew the horn, it gave you such a fright, you almost had an out-of-body experience, and, and, and quickly and sometimes dangerously, you, you, you swung back into your, your lane. And of course, as you do that, you're in, a, you're in shock, you've slowed down, and of course, the other vehicle now slowly passes you in what feels like an eternity, and they offer a quick listen in the art of sign language <laughs> as they criticize your ability to drive. And you, somewhat shaken and red-faced, of course, pretend not to see them, and you let them disappear into the distance, hoping to put as much traffic between them and you as possible, hoping that you never have to lay eyes on them again. I appreciate that won't be everybody's reaction, but I hope it's yours as good Christian people. The question is, how did you not see them in the first place? Well, if you've been driving for a while, you will know they were sitting in what is called your blind spot. I remember driving in the UK. I was going from Liverpool to Swindon. And uh, we had spent time with our relatives there. It's the first and possibly the only time we'll, we, we'll see them. And so we'd gone to visit them in Liverpool. My dad's from Liverpool. And so I've always, I, 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 we went and saw them. And we'd actually started the day in Edinburgh, made our way all the way down. So I was tired. I mean, and then we saw them in Liverpool. And then we had to drive back to Swindon. But I'm a bit of a Beatles fan. Some of you might know. And I said, let's go to Penny Lane. In Penny Lane, there is a, a barber taking photographs. And, and so we went to Penny Lane, and it's getting really late. It's about one o'clock at night, and we've got to drive home. And so I start driving home. And then I, I get on this like six-lane motorway. I don't know what it is, the M4 or whatever. And, I, and I'm driving, and I'm, I'm suddenly realizing three of the lanes that I'm in are actually going into, I think it's Birmingham. But I'm not going to Birmingham. I'm going on the road that's heading towards London back to Swindon. And so I need to be over on those three lanes. These three lanes are... Coming up, so I, I, it's one o'clock in the morning. I just, I didn't think of it. I, I looked at my mirror, it's clear. I put my, my indicator on and I went right across to the other, the other, the other lanes uh, to immediately see a blue gaze in my, my flashing, a blue flash in my thing. And so I'm thinking, oh no, it's like, it's like, like fines in New Zealand are bad enough. Because I'm like, those are in dollars. This is, and you, I only know because because of Anita's tickets. But the, the, that's the only way I know that. But I know that fines are expensive in New Zealand, and now I'm in pounds sterling. And so anyway, I pulled over, and the traffic officer got out and said, now either you're drunk or you're really tired. Which one is it? And I said, I'm tired, actually. I didn't mimic him, but that's good possible. I do that without knowing sometimes. And I, I put on my Kiwi charm. I said, Lord, I watch these programs on TV. And, 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 and I was working hard, and he let me off. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I just said I'm a missionary in India. No, I didn't. I, got I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't. I was just like, I was thinking about what could I use, pass the attitude test. And anyway, he let, he, he, he let me off, but, but, but I, 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 I didn't see him because Mr. Policeman was in my blind spot. The truth is we all have blind spots, don't we? If you don't believe me, I've got a little experiment. You would have all come in right uh, now, and you would have all been given one of these. Please take it. Pull it out now if you haven't. Hard luck. 
But we here, here it is. Borrow the one next to you if you haven't after they've tried it. So we're going to do, do that. And, and, and you, you should have got this. You should have got this. And, and, and I want you, uh, uh, here, here's what I've got to do, want you to do. So I'm going to read this. So, so there's two dots. Put the two dots up, please. Put the two dots up. There should be a picture uh, there. So there, you've got two dots. And I want you to hold this out in front of you. And I'm just going to read this so I get it right. Hold the two dots out in front of you. And then I want you to close your left eye, your left eye. I said your left eye, <laughs> your left eye. And now focus your right eye on the left dot. Focus your right eye on the left dot. And then I want you to do this. I want you to move. You can look at, look at me because you're focusing your eye. And then I want you to move that in. So it's in the center, you move it in. So you're closing your left eye and you're focusing on the, uh, 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 you're focusing your right eye on the left Dot. And as you bring it in, the right dot should disappear. It'll disappear. It'll get to a place where it'll disappear. There it is. If you are not... Who can see it? Who can see it? Who can see it? Okay. What's wrong with the rest of you? Come on. It's just like... I'm telling you. Oh, I don't have a blind spot. That's a blind spot. I mean, you should be able to do it. Just focus on... Don't look at... Focus... Close your left eye and focus on right eye on the left dot, and it should disappear right about there. There, it should absolutely disappear. You won't be able to see it. Okay, who can, who, who, now, did any more see it? Anybody see it? Come on, let me see your hands if you saw it. Thank you very, very, very much. There are still some people, including my wife, still catching up on, uh, catching up on this. So, so what, so, so what happens if, 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 if you've done it right, it should, that, that spot on the right should disappear. That is your blind spot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, well. She said she doesn't have one. Well, we'll talk afterwards. Um, might be more than one. No, I said. But why, but why does the spot disappear? Because the spot disappears because it falls on the optic nerve head. There should be another picture that comes up here that explains why that blind spot, the, your optic nerve right there, that is a place where it can't get any reflection, and so that place is your blind spot. That is your blind spot. That's why it's there. Both eyes have it. You could do it the other way around, and uh, both eyes have it. It's the place where your eye connects to your brain. It's how your eye is wired to your brain. Of, of course, when you've got both eyes open, it, there's a, it substitutes and uh, compensates, sorry, uh, for that. But the blind spots nevertheless remain. Now, if you have a pen and you can do, I, I won't take the time to uh, uh, do this, but there, there's another picture, should be another picture. Uh, coming up now. If you take a pen and you actually draw a line through that spot, if you've got, you can try it now. If you've got a pen handy, I don't want you digging, digging down in the handbag or whatever. But if you put that line there and you do the same thing again, you will notice that the spot disappears, but you can see the line. Now, how does that happen? The spot disappears, but you can see the line. How does that happen? because your brain just fills in the gaps. And can I just say to some of us, we fill in too many gaps. <laughs> Part of the problem with our blind spot is we just fill, our brain <laughs> just fills in the gaps. And uh, that leaves us with sometimes getting us into 
trouble. So I'm not really giving you a lesson on how your eyes work, but I am giving you an analogy of our own lives to demonstrate the fact that we all have blind spots. What is a blind spot? It's simply an area in people's lives which, which they continually do not see themselves or their situation realistically. This, this, and, and this unawareness often causes pain, damage to themselves, damage to their family, damage to their workplace, damage to others around them. This is the type of thing when we can't see those things, they can affect our work relationships. You, you will have work relationships now, perhaps with people, some of you in this room where they, you're going, they just can't see it. <laughs> I just remembered a story, uh, it's, it's on my notes, but you know, you, you, some of you, even as I said that, you might have got a picture of someone else in your workplace and you got, yeah, it's like, you can, oh yeah, that guy. But the scary thing is someone else might have your picture <laughs> in their mind. We all have blind spots. And it can affect our working relation. Most people, I think, it's fair to say, are, are blissfully unaware of their blind spots. Why? Because they're blind. What's your blind spot? As Anita said, I don't have one. Well, that's a blind spot. <laughs> so blind spots are an area of... Re- Spots that can affect areas of relationship, your marriage, the way you work, the way you treat people, the way you talk. People can have blind spots and uh, hygiene, like spitting all the time. Many, many in multiple areas in life, we can have blind spots. Jesus, of course, warned us about the log in our eye in Luke chapter 6, verse 39 through 42. He said, can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye and do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself do not see the log in your own eye? Eugene Peterson in his message paraphrase puts it like this. It's easy to see the smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. In Scripture, let me give you a couple of examples of where blind spots were pointed out and reproof or rightful criticism was given. Number one, King David, 2 Samuel, verse 12. If you know the Bible, you know the story. God sent the prophet Nathan to reveal to the King David, to reveal to King David his blind spot regarding his sins with Uriah and Bathsheba. Bathsheba. And it said, and the Lord sent to sent Nathan to David. He came to him and said to him, there were two men, if you know the story, David. Basically, David killed the husband of Bathsheba. You're right, he, he killed him. He, he, he murdered him because he wanted to be with Bathsheba. Long story, you can check it out for yourself. But, but he, he, he couldn't see what he had done. And so the The Lord sent Nathan to David. He came to him and said to him, there were two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had many flocks 
and herds. But the poor man had nothing but one ewe lamb, which he had bought. And he had brought it up, and he grew up with him and with his children. It used to eat of his morsel and drink from his cup and lie in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now there came a traveler to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take one of his own flock or herd or prepare for the guests who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. And it says, then David's anger was greatly kindled, greatly kindled against the man. And he said to, the, to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. In 2 Samuel 12, verse 7, Nathan said to David, you are that man. David had a blind spot, an area of his life that he couldn't see. A second example would be Moses in Exodus 18, and in regard to his leader, leadership style, Moses was so busy fixing everyone else's blind spots and issues that he couldn't see his own blind spot, and his father-in-law helped him to see it. Exodus 18, Moses took his place to uh, to judge, he had to do the ruling over the, over the people and uh, millions of people. So Moses took that place to, to judge the people. People were standing before him, listen, all day long from morning to night. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what's going on here? Why are you all doing this? Why? And all by yourself, letting everybody line up before you from morning to night. Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me with questions about God, when something comes up, they come to me. I judge between a man and his neighbor and teach them God's law and instructions. Instructions. Moses' father-in-law said, this is no way to go about it. Another version says, what you are doing is not good. You'll burn out and the people right along with you. This is the way, this way <coughs> is too much for you. You can't do this alone. Now listen to me. Let me tell you how to do this so God will be in this with you. He goes on to say, you keep a sharp eye out for competent men who fear God, men of integrity, men who are incorruptible, and appoint them as leaders over groups organized by a thousand, by a hundred, by fifty, or by ten. They will be responsible for everyday work of judging the people. They'll bring the hard cases to you, but in the routine cases, they will take care of it. It says in Exodus chapter 18, verse 24, it says, so Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. And Moses' blind spot, he, he was so busy fixing everyone's problem, but he couldn't see his own. Arnold down the back there was cutting my, my hair on on uh, whatever day, someday day this week, Wednesday, and he was, or yeah, whatever day it was, but he, he was cutting my, cutting my hair, and as he's getting near the end of cutting my hair, he said, "Look, um, look, next time I come, I'll I'll bring my little buzzer along, and we can take care of the hair in your ears." <laughs> I'm like, I've got hair in my ears. <laughs> now I, I've said this before, right? I am getting to that age 
where where I just because I'm wearing glasses, so I go into the glasses, go into the bathroom. I, I take these off because they fog up, so I can't see things. And so I'm just like many of you. Things are growing now, and and they grow so slowly I don't see them. And so obviously I've got fluff in my en- enough for Arnold to notice. And I know, I mean, because we're at that stage, right, let's be honest, I mean, I, I see elderly gentlemen sometimes, and I, I go, can he not see his eyebrows? It's like an owl, you know, it's just like, it's coming out, you see, and I realize, I'm that guy. <laughs> I'm that guy. I mean, Arnold's doing my eyebrows now. It's like, is it that bad? I, I'm like an insect, and I, I don't have a lot. I just get like, anti- I'm like an insect. I get this, this random rogue here. Anybody, come on, anybody else want to admit this? This is life. This is, Anita's like, you've got an antenna. I'm just catching the signals that God has given me. Oh, it's like an aerial up there for Jesus. I love what 15th century clergyman Thomas Adams said. Many are like barbers that trim all men but themselves. (laughs) We can't see the hair in our ears, the wood for the trees. We all have blind spot areas in our life that we can't see and that we don't Notice, and of course, modern cars, they, they have blind spot monitoring. They blind spot the, the, the light comes on, and you don't always see it. I, 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 poor Anita, can I, can I say, oh, yeah, well, it happened. Yeah, well, well, it's just like, yeah. Because you back, like I bought this car because it's got so many cameras and sensors, and it's like you can't go wrong, but it did. It's got one of those sort of turn dial gear things, and 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 and, and uh, it doesn't matter how many cameras you've got. If you put it into reverse and you think you're going forward, it doesn't. It doesn't matter, and you put your foot on the accelerator, she she hit it. But 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 we've got so many lights and sensors. We've got the the, the blind spot. I'm sorry for being critical, but we're talking about learn how to handle the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you need to forgive me. That's what you you need to do. Mm. But our modern cars have blind spot monitoring, don't they? And they they let you know a light comes on in the mirror and lets you know that someone else is there. Who are the people in your life? that act as blind spot monitors? Who are the Nathan's voices? You know, in church, I've, I've said over the years, people come up and say, you know, <laughs> I've talked this about working with people, but some of those people will say, you know, they'll, they'll turn up first time and they'll say, Pastor, you can tell me anything. You can just say anything. Just shoot, shoot. And so I do. And they stop coming. Um, I, it's like, see, someone's leaving already. Someone's, it's just like, the people, 
people say that, but, but, but who's the Nathan in your life? Who's that, who's that person who can say the things that need to be said? The people who can tell you what, what you can't see or, or perhaps need to see. Who, who can critique you? Who can pull you up? Who can set you straight? Who are the people who can point, point that stuff out to you? Or, 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 or can anybody do that? Really, honestly. You know, when the prophet Nathan pointed out a blind spot to David, he did so at risk of his own life. When people point out your blind spot, do they do so at risk of their, of their, own, of their own life? He did so at the risk of his life, at fear for his life. When, when people point out stuff to you, do they feel like Nathan? How do you... How do you handle criticism, especially if it's justified? Who can talk to you or even at risk of death or, 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 or who, can, who can speak to you? And, and when they speak to you, even if it's, I understand it's a whole other thing if it's not justified, but if it is justified, who, who, can, who, who, can, who can speak to you? Do, do, do you react or respond. John Maxwell, who teaches leadership, he says, you know, when you acknowledge your blind spots, remember, it's not a surprise for people or your team because they already know. They already see it. They're just glad you finally see it. So how should we handle Criticism, especially in an age of cancel culture. I mean, justified criticism is one thing, but what about unjustified criticism? What about when people are just like being mean? How do you handle that? Because all of us from time to time will face criticism. If you're, if you're a leader, it's, it's, it's guaranteed. I think of the Rugby World Cup, the game last week. The coaches quit. See? See how sensitive it is? The coaches quit. Not the coach, the um, referee. He's quit. One of the most experienced. I, I didn't hear that. Yeah. Well, he's quit because of criticism. Am I justified or unjustified? And don't answer that. The tongue has the power of death and life. Do you react or do you respond? Justified criticism is one thing, but what, what about unjustified criticism? What about when people are just being mean? And or, 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 I just want to say all of us will face criticism. If you're a leader, it's guaranteed. Justified or unjustified, it goes with the territory. I think it was Paul de Jong used to say, he was like, I'm, I'm, I, I, I live a holy life. He's like, I've got so many holes and bullet holes in me and shot through because I've been just shot. And if you're a leader, that's, that's, that's how life is. All of us from time to time will face criticism, justified or justified unjustified. 
So that's why we need to learn how to receive it and how to give it. So what are some, some keys to get, navigate any criticism? What are some keys that we can learn to navigate any criticism? Well, to answer that, you have to come next week for part two and we'll dig into it a little, a little bit further. But the application, maybe for this week, ask yourself the question, how do I respond or react to criticism? You might say very, very well. And then I'll ask you maybe, then go and ask someone else close to you, how do I react to reproof? How do I react to criticism? How do I react when I'm pulled up on something? Maybe another question to ask as we try to apply this to our lives is to, to ask others, do I have any blind spots that I need to know about? Well, yes, here's the, no, don't do that. Answer. But maybe there is areas where we're going, hey man, you, you might not realize it, but you, you do this. And it can be really hard to talk to you because every time you, you just... Maybe we need to hear that and hear it and not be hurt. And we'll look at some keys of how we can, how we can do that. But in closing, I just want to say this. You know, when we looked at the dots on the, on the paper, although one dot disappeared, the fact is it was still there. You just couldn't see it. It was in your blind spot. We can't see stuff in our blind spots. We're, we're, we're blind. I, some people will say, I can't see God. I just want to say, it doesn't mean He's not there. Romans chapter 1 verse 19 says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. And I'm just asking today, is God in your blind spot? You might be here today and you're saying, well, I don't know if God would ever love a person like me. Friends, this is the beauty of the gospel. It's not about how bad you are. It's about how good God is. He made a way. You are saved, not because you give your life to Him, but because He gave His life for you. As I said, but I don't obey, I don't do it. Listen, obedience is not a requirement of the gospel. God said that it's not saying you have to do this, you have to live like that, and you have to do it. It is not a requirement of the gospel. It's a fruit. It's a fruit that proceeds from following Him, but it's not a requirement for being saved. If it was, that would mean we'd need to add to that which Jesus has already accomplished on the cross. He said, it is finished. It's about allowing His life to fill us and change us to allow His Holy Ghost that knocks on the door of our heart 
to fill our life and justifies us. And then he begins to sanctify us. Take us from glory to glory. So he has met all the requirements of the law. When the priest brought the sacrifice, the lamb, the priest, sorry, when the people brought the sacrifice to the priest of the lamb, they never looked at the person bringing the lamb. They looked to see if the lamb was without spot or without blemish. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and He's had mercy on us and He can have mercy on you. You can know that today. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, If you know you need to get right with God, in a moment I'm going to pray a prayer that's, that just says, Jesus, be king of my life. I, I, I now give my life to you in response to the fact that you gave your life for me. I surrender. If you want to be included in that prayer, wherever you're, wherever you're sitting, would you just put your hand up right now and say, that's me, Pastor, include me in that prayer. Is there anyone here? You know you need to get right, right with God. Every head bowed nice and high so I can see it. I don't want to thank you. Anyone else? You know you need to get right with God. Come on, this is your moment. This is the day. Don't have, thank you down the back there. Anyone else? Thank you over there to the side. Slip those hands down. Is there anyone here who knows they should have put their hand up, but they didn't? I, I want to just, one more opportunity. Come on. Who are you? Where are you? You know you should have put your hand up in that moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Nice and high. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all pray this together. Would you stand? Let's pray this together. Lord Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Today I give my life to you. I turn from sin turn towards God. Be my King, my Lord, and my Savior from this day forward. Amen. Amen. Can we put our hands together for all those who said yes to Jesus? If you need prayer for anything, there's a prayer station off to the side and the uh, amazing putts will uh, pray with and for you for anything. If you've said that prayer for the first time, I want to pray, we want to give you a, a, a New Testament there that we can grab. And one of the pastors, uh, Pastor Helen, will be down the back there and we'll uh, make sure Ian or whoever's down there, I can't see. So let's just pray this prayer all together. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And everybody said... Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, come on, let's go and talk about my faults over a coffee. Let's go. <clears throat>